Well, again, good morning and welcome. Uh, glad that you're here. My name is Nathan. I'm the campus pastor. It's good to, good to be together and good to continue our time uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, this, this ancient uh, but beautiful sermon of Jesus's. Well, right now at the, the very top of my playlist, uh, musically, is, is the band 21 Pilots. Um, I'm, many of you have probably heard their song Stressed Out. It's on the radio like all the time right now. Uh, it's, it's currently on, on Billboard's Top 100. It's been on there for 21 weeks. Uh, it's currently ranked number two. Uh, and it keeps, it keeps climbing, so, so we'll see. Um, and when, I, when I first heard Stressed Out, I almost had to pull the car over uh, to just listen to it, right? Because to, to, it just kind of clobbered me a little bit. I found it as soon as I got home. And, and honestly, we haven't stopped listening to them. And, and musically... They're amazing, but listening to Stressed Out, it almost sounds like it was written inside my head uh, because we all, we all feel it. It's about this longing for, for childhood or, or at the very least for, for simpler, easier times, right? Oh, to turn back time to the good old days when our mamas sang us to sleep. I want us to watch part of it. This is going to be way too weird for some of you. Others of you are going to love it, but here we go. Let's watch part of it. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words I wish I found some chords in an order that is new I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink But now I'm insecure and I care what people think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think Wish we could turn back time To the good old days When the mama sang And then we fly far away Used to dream of outer space But now they're laughing at the face Saying, wake up, you need to make money Jesus said that wherever your, wherever your treasure is, there, there goes your heart. 
And that, that counts for whether or not we have a lot. We put our hopes in that. That's what Jesus was getting at last week. Or if we're just constantly worried about what we don't have or what we're longing for, which is really what he's, what he's getting at this week. Because we do, we worry about it, don't we? If you're older, you're wondering, man, am I going to have enough? Am I managing it well? What happens if it all falls out, right? Um, if you're younger, you're probably thinking some of the same things. Or maybe, how am I, I going to pay for college or pay off my loans? How, how am I going to start a family or, or launch a business? How am I going to raise kids on my own? How, how am I going to deal with this unemployment? And everything around us, right? All the voices in our head and in the world yelling out, wake up, you need to make money. And then you add to it what Jesus just told us last week. Don't store up treasures for yourself. Don't hoard. Don't spend it all on you. In fact, give till it hurts, really. Oh, but don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Really, Jesus? I mean, doesn't it kind of feel just a, a little bit infuriated. That's why we wanted to read those words together because it's like, he just told us that and now don't, don't be anxious about your life. Man. And yet, I've got to tell you, his words grab me and I, I don't care who you are, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, whatever brings you to the space this morning, I, I can't imagine anyone not hearing those words and not at least wanting them, right? A life of peace, Right? of contentment, of, of trust, of joy, rather than constantly striving, right? And we can't, we can't go back to the good old days. But can we find any relief from the worries crushing us? Well, Jesus says, yes. But it's not exactly how we'd expect at least not for me, because uh, I often think, you know, if I, just, if I just cared less, wanted less, then I'd, then I'd worry less. But according to Jesus, it's actually the opposite. What, what he makes clear is that the battle against worry isn't about seeking less out of life. It's actually about seeking more. It's not about seeking less, but, but seeking more. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands to see who deals with worry, right? Because I think that would do one of two things. Either we'd be just overwhelmed with all of our, you know, we're all like this, or we'd just figure out who the liars are, right? Uh, because we all, we all deal with this. And I, I even just want to clarify, though, because I, I realize we're all wired very differently, aren't we? And it just works differently within all of us, right? We deal with stress and worry and anxiety from, from different ways. And some of us, yes, would absolutely benefit from counseling, for medication. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. Jesus, Jesus understands, right? He's not surprised by any of that. And if there's anything that we can do as a church, please, please, please don't hesitate. We want to help. We're not, we're not going to trivialize how difficult, frankly, how painful this subject is for some of us. But at the same time, we want to learn from Jesus. Because right here for all of us, there is hope. But let's, let's step back just a moment here, kind of place where we are, remember where we're at in this, this series, right? We're still in Matthew, still in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. We've been there for, some of you feel, you know, it feels like forever, right? Um, we're in Matthew chapter six, if you want to turn there. And at every turn, right, if you've been with us, at every turn, everything we talk about, Jesus keeps throwing it upside down, right? All of our expectations for the good life, for the good person, he says, well, you think it's like this, but it's actually a little bit, you know, it's, just, it's, it's not. It's like this, right? Um, and that's what he does this morning with worry. 
And as we look at this, this text, these beautiful words that, frankly, I crave, um, there's three things that we're going to try to draw out, three, three kind of big picture items to work there, work through. First, why worry uh, doesn't work. Uh, second, why seeking more is better. And third, what are we going to do in the meantime? That's our path for this morning, why worry doesn't work, uh, why seeking more is better, um, and what we're going to do in, in the meantime because it's, it's not about seeking less out of life. It's about seeking so much more. We need God's help, right? Let's, let's pray and ask for it. God, even as we begin this time um, and hear these words, God, I know for many of us here, we are overwhelmed. Um, there are so many fears, so many distractions, so many things that consume us, rob our joy, God, and cost so much pain. God, I pray that even in the midst of that, God, I pray that we wouldn't hear you trivializing our hardship, but at the same time, God, I pray that we would see you speaking in and showing us a better way. God, we, we want to trust you. We want to live dependent lives on you. Help us. We, we cannot do this on our own. So do that in us, we pray. Amen. Okay, so first, why worry doesn't work? And I gotta be honest with this first section. Um, there's no surprises here. In fact, this is all like super obvious stuff. It's just like Jesus is just covering the basics of why, why worry doesn't, doesn't work. It's all pretty straightforward. It's easy to grasp. It's just really, really hard for us to live out, right? And we know that. So does Jesus. But I actually, I want us to start at the end of this passage. Uh, it's kind of a little bit different than we normally do. But I want us to start at the end because I don't want us to, to like, Honestly, just think that Jesus is an optimistic fool, right? Um, that he's just an insane, right? Pollyanna, and of course, it's all going to be fine and good. You're Jesus kind of thing. That, that, that's not what he's getting at. I want us to start at the end because there we see that worry simply does not work because life just has too much worry to worry about. It's not that life is easy and good and fine. It's that it's, frankly, can be so bad and painful and hard, Right? That worry just doesn't work. That's, that's verse 34. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really thankful that Jesus includes this because our, our world is kind of a mess. Nowhere does Jesus minimize that. No, nowhere do we hear from him, oh, you know what, just suck it up. It's really not that bad. Get over it, right? He doesn't say that. That's not the tone of this book. That's not the tone of our faith. And so Jesus there at the end, in verse, verse 34, this is how he kind of concludes this thought. He, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I mean, to put it bluntly, I think what Jesus is saying there is like, don't worry about tomorrow, focus on today, because you know what? Chances are tomorrow is going to be worse anyway. <laughs> That's what he's saying, Okay. Um, which, you know, first thought is, thanks a lot, Jesus. That's so helpful. Um, and, and like, just a warning, this sermon's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Um, we'll, we'll get there, but we got to dig pretty deep into the, into the ugly before we start climbing out. Um, we will climb out, but it's not there yet. And yet, I'm, I'm really glad that Jesus says it. I mean, I really am, because, I mean, every other, every other worldview um, both religious and secular, every other worldview ends up trivializing our pain, minimizing our suffering. Because if there is no God, then there, there is really no suffering. There's no meaning to our pain and our, our heartache. There's no answer for it. There's no hope in it. It just is, right? 
And even if, even if there is a God, so many other perspectives, that God is either just absent or, or he's even capricious in it. That's not our story. That is not our God. And yeah, that doesn't like just fix the problem, make it all, everything feel better. And yet, aren't you, aren't you glad that you don't have to pretend? That you don't just have to like fake it before him? That he, that he actually knows. I mean, that is one of the things that sets our God apart from any other is that our God actually entered this world and knows what it's like to feel the pain and the suffering. He knows that there is stuff to worry about, right? He doesn't minimize or trivialize. And day after day, you and I face trouble. And the reality is it's not gonna go away after the project's finished or your kids get a little older or you get that next promotion or, or you start to feel better and more, more healthy. There will always be more worry to worry about tomorrow. Jesus validates our worries. Your worry is valid. It just doesn't work. Okay, second. And this is a fun one. Um, Blame Jesus, not me, just for the record. Worry doesn't work because no matter what, you're still going to die. No matter what, that's still what's coming, right? You can't escape it. You can't, you can't ignore it. It is coming for all of us. I do, I do promise this is supposed to be an encouraging sermon. We're just not there yet. But, but besides, I mean, Jesus makes a really good point. We, we try to live outside it. We try to forget it or ignore it. Most of us are pretty good at it. But look, at, look what he says in verse 27, back up at the top. He says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. Now, of course, I mean, Jesus knows that there's, there's a kind of worry that's, that's good, right? That actually does add to our life. It's like when you go to the Grand Canyon, uh, there's a worry that keeps your kids away from the edge, right? That's a good thing. There's, there's a kind of worry that leads to responsibility, prudence, diligence, those, yeah, you get it, right? Um, but that's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about, right? That we just live heedless, reckless lives. But what he's getting at here is that our days are numbered, and yeah, we're accountable to live healthy and responsible, and yet there's really nothing we can do about it. And, and so this, this other thing, right? Um, this obsession with all of the what-ifs that we have, the immediate, the control, or you know, to feel like we're in control, this constant self-protection that you and I run towards, that's what just doesn't work. In fact, in many ways, I, I think what Jesus is saying is, is like, you know what? You can worry about food and money and politics. You, you can worry about cancer, about whether or not your kids are going to turn out okay, how your job or your relationship is, is going to go. You name it, you can worry about it. But here's what he's saying. Even if you get it all just as you want, like all of your worries finally pay off and you live the ideal perfect life, Jesus is saying, even then, you're going to be dead soon. And, and then what, right? That is just, it's not enough. Worry just doesn't work. Besides, and here's the third reason, and we are starting to crawl out now, okay? Because, um, I mean, worry is like ultimately an attempt to, to be our own God, right? To be in control, to fix our problems, to, to chart our course. I mean, worry is so much connected to our own sort of self identity and self-expression, right? 
of, of yeah, you get it. Um, but the third, the third thing, the third reason worry doesn't work is that God is just better at being God than you are. He's got a lot more experience at it. And just look at his track record. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Isn't it interesting that Jesus goes there? I mean, it's just so weird to me in some ways. I mean, I appreciate it, uh, but I'm like, I mean, honestly, I struggle to believe that God actually cares about me. 7.3 billion people on the planet, and he's got time for me, for my problems, my issues, my life, really? And the birds? Like, who has time for that? I mean, I did a, I did a little research this week. There are nearly 10,000 different kinds of birds with a global population of almost 400 billion on planet Earth. And he takes care of them. In fact, elsewhere, Jesus says that God even knows when a sparrow falls. The sparrow is like considered like the lowest of the low. It's like the most worthless bird, right? Even, even then, God knows. Verse, verse 26, for example, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, birds aren't lazy, right? Early bird gets the worm. But have you ever seen a stressed out bird? I mean, maybe, I guess. I just can't even imagine, right? I've seen a lot of birds. They don't look stressed, right? And look at the flowers, Jesus says. There are perhaps as, as many as 400,000 different, like, individual kinds of flowers on the planet. 400,000. And God made them, and he sustains them. And for example, we, uh, this past summer, we uh, spent some time hiking up in the mountains in, in Gunnison uh, National Forest in Colorado. It was at the height of wildflower season. We'd never been in that region during wildflower season. It's just amazing, unbelievable just to look out and to think, nobody did this, right? No, nobody feeds them, nobody waters them, nobody plants them, nobody you know, cares for them in any way whatsoever, and yet they are unmatched, right? And they're... And they're Incredible beauty. And, you know, honestly, what often gets me about, like, flowers, maybe this is dorky to you, but, um, I mean, the fact that for millennia in certain places, like, they had never even been seen by humans, right? Or, or you think about over across the whole planet, how many flowers exist that will, never, that will never be seen by a person? They exist just for God. I mean, isn't that wild? Like, God, he just does it for himself, right? Because he likes flowers that much and he cares for them. And it says, right, Jesus says, um, yeah, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I mean, if God is that good at caring for birds and flowers, how much more will he care for us? Oh, me of little faith. Of course, here's the rub. Because I don't think I probably said anything that's really all that surprising here. Like, we, we get that. Everybody gets that. We know worry doesn't work. Nobody's confused by the fact that worry is, is wasting energy. But I still worry. A lot. I mean, frankly, there are times when I'm, just, I'm consumed by worry. Sure, it doesn't work, but what's the alternative, right? What else are we going to do? 
Well, the alternative is seeking more, not seeking less. Well, why, why is seeking more better? Because that is what catches me off guard in this passage. It's like all this stuff, I'm like, yeah, Jesus, it makes perfect sense. And then it's like, we get to verse 31, and I'm like, really? That's, that's the answer? Listen to the alternative. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, drink, where? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But here's what we do. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you've been with us, right, I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus keeps bringing up this kingdom, doesn't he? Like over and over again, like it's this big deal, right? I mean, at every turn, he's saying that there, there is a new kingdom inbreaking into our world, that he's the one bringing it. It's not, it's not fully here yet. And yet with this kingdom, everything changes, that he's, he's reorienting the entire global system, that everything now is different because of him. And if you, if you seek that, he says, put your energies there, your focus there, your time there, your imagination there, if you do all of that, then all these other things, will be okay. You don't, you don't have to worry so much, right? Piece of cake, right? But you see, worry, worry seeks after a million lesser things, doesn't it? But the problem is they seem so huge to us. I mean, your health, my body, that feels like everything. Like, what else do I have, right? We, our kids, we love our kids more than air. Think about our, our jobs, our friends, our, our relationships. These 80 years, give or take, they feel like the whole world, don't they? And I so quickly forget that there's anything else worth living for. But this is it, right? I've got to get mine and I've got to get it now. And so, of course, I'm going to worry and panic and all of that. And yet it's, it's so small. Did anybody catch um, Jim Carrey at the Golden Globes about a month ago? It was his his first public appearance after his girlfriend committed suicide uh, earlier in the fall. Um, I'm, I'm going to show a clip of it here in just a second, but I want, as we watch, sort of listen for the nervous knowing laughter in the room. Because what he does, I mean, he does it in a funny Jim Carrey sort of way, and yet it's, it's clear what he's doing. He's pointing out how empty our pursuits are. All of our dreams and goals, how, how we think they're, they're so huge, these things we live for, when the reality is they're just less. Let's watch. Please welcome two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey, going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor, Jim Carrey. because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this, this terrible search.
for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. But these are important, these awards. I don't want you to think that just because if you blew up our solar system alone, you wouldn't be able to find us or any of human history with the naked eye. But from our perspective, this is huge. One more time, here are the nominees for Best Motion Picture Comedy. Did you hear what he said? And even like how the laughter got a little bit more like, <laughs> then I'll know I'm enough. And I can stop this terrible search for what I know won't ultimately fulfill me. It might be an award, success, a promotion, a paycheck. It could be how our kids turn out, our friends, a spouse, whether or not we get a spouse. It could be our health, our own bodies. We obsess, we worry, of course we do. When in reality, it's all just so small. And it's not gonna satisfy. Let me, let me give another example of this. Um, so last week, this happened, right here. Um, yeah, it did. Uh, I was at a, uh, a breakfast for pastors with, with Dayton Moore, the general manager of the Royals. Um, and I just kind of waited until the crowd thinned out. Uh, and I went up and grabbed it. Um, didn't ask permission, just did it. It's in my car, actually, if you want to see it later. Uh, it's, it's pretty sweet, let me just say. Um, so yeah, I mean, Dayton Moore, uh, he's a Christian. Uh, and so he was just sort of reflecting on what it's been like, right? And I mean, just imagine, right, what this individual and what everyone around him has achieved you know, in one of the smallest, you know, ball clubs. Uh, 30 years since the last one. I mean, I was six the last time they won the World Series. You know, a lot of us in here weren't even born yet, right? It's been a long time in coming, and they finally achieved it, right? The highest thing that they could possibly get ever for this, this team and these players. And what he said, basically, yeah, we've, we've won the World Series now. But we've, we found, you know, and are finding, and the players are finding that, yeah, a couple months later, that they still have all the same problems, that all the, the bests that they had before, and frankly were before, none of that's gone away with this, this incredible amount of glitter. And we're stuck pursuing less because it seems so huge to us. And our worries, they feel huge. And they're legitimate things. Jesus, again, he validates our worries, but they're still less. And as long as we seek that which is less, we will always be consumed. It'll never be enough because you cannot fill your soul with lesser things. It just doesn't work. And I can almost see Jesus in this point of the sermon, once again, saying, but hear me out. Uh, but hear me out, hear me out. What if there was another kingdom? What if there was another reality that's breaking into this current reality, one that extends forever, that never, never fails, never ceases to satisfy? Seek that kingdom, and all these other things will be added to you. And listen, it's not that Jesus is saying that if you seek his kingdom, then you're going to have a perfect life, right? We're all going to live happily ever after. Of course not. You, you, you know that from, from all of Scripture. We know that from, from human history and personal experience. That's not the way it works. And the reality is, those things you're worried about, they might happen to you. You might lose your job. Your family might fall apart. You might get cancer. 
You might always feel alone. But if this kingdom is for real, if it is actually coming for us, for those, for those who trust in him, who have given our lives, our allegiance to this new, this new king, if that is true, I mean, this kingdom, this is the place where all the good in our lives is main, maintained, sustained, where it where it's actually gets better and celebrated, everything good, and where all the bad stuff is, is redeemed. Every failure, every disappointment, every mistake, every loss that you have known as, as a human on this earth, and we have a list, don't we? That he promises to make it right. And I don't, I don't know how, right? But in, in a way that is actually truly satisfying for us, where it's the place where the best is yet to come. And if that is where my heart lives, then what's the worst that can happen to me? C.S. Lewis writes, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. I mean, let that sink in for a second, right? He who has God and everything else, plus everything, right? All the success, all the whatever, health and you fill in the blank, has no more than the one who has only God. Because what he's getting at there is only, only God satisfies only this kingdom lasts. Only here is a place of true and lasting flourishing and satisfaction. Seek more, people. Don't seek less. Seek his kingdom. Well, great, that'll be easy. Let's just do that. Everything will be fine then, won't it? So maybe you're like, like me, frankly, and you're like, well, this is, this is good. Um, and I want this, I want to seek this, but how do I do that? I can't even see this kingdom, right? It's not here yet, I don't, I don't taste it, I can't, I can't feel it. And so how, how do we live in the meantime? Because let's be honest with ourselves, you're not going to stop worrying, right? But can we worry less? Can we actually obey what Jesus commands us to here? Is there any hope for us? Well, let me just give three things that stand out to me. Um, in these, these words to help us, to help, they, they help me. And I, I, I'm going to say two things real quick before I get there. I am not an expert on this. I am a worrier. I get overwhelmed and anxious fast. I live, live a fearful life sometimes. So, so there's that. Second, there's no, there's no fast, like, quick answer here. I don't have a silver bullet to offer you that's just going to, like, do this and it's all going to be great. But these, these are a place we need to, to dwell in, right, to live in in order to make some progress in this area. So first, first thing, when, when worry attacks me, my tendency is to speed up. That's what I do, right? Because uh, I'm a fixer, I'm a doer, and I just want to solve all my problems and, and move on. And what's really hard is that to seek this kingdom, you've got to slow down first. Which might, like, be two of the ugliest words in the English language right now, right? <laughs> slow down. And for many of us, the problem isn't that we don't want to seek this kingdom, Many, many of us are like, yeah, but we just, just don't have time. We're too busy to actually do this, trying to save the world or fix our own problems or maybe even just to build our own kingdom, right? But Jesus says the lilies, the lilies neither toil nor spin, right? That word, that word for toil there, Jesus is going to use the same word in just a few chapters when he invites all who toil, all those who are burdened and heavy laden into his yoke to find rest. 
a place of, of satisfaction for, for our souls, for, for, who we, for who we really are. That he, he offers that to us. Because seeking, seeking his kingdom, none of that happens in a hurry. It just, it just can't. We have to slow down and let God be God for a while. And for me, that means a couple of things. For one, I've got to begin, to begin and end my day with rest. I just have to. Not with, not with the news, not with email, not with Facebook, not with hurry, but with rest. To begin there, to, to center my soul. Because I know as soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to be a mess again. Um, and frankly, I just need it to fall asleep, right? To get there again before bed, to find rest for my soul. And so I, in the morning, it looks like prayer and reading my Bible. In the evening, to just pray together quickly with my wife. That's just part of, that's how I, that's how I try to find some sliver of rest in the midst of it. Another thing is I've got to take a day off every week. If for no other reason but to remind me that God doesn't really need my help. That everything, everything continues on. I mean, aren't, you, aren't you surprised with that? Like when you go on vacation or you actually take a day of rest that, you know, the world continues, right? That nothing actually falls apart. Um, I mean, things may be more difficult, right? It's hard to take a day off. Um, but that God has, God can, he can run his world. And believe me, I've, I've got plenty, of, plenty to do. Plenty of activity, plenty of stuff, right? But most of it is less when what I really need is more. Because when I slow down, it reminds me, whose kingdom am I, really, am I really trying to live for? And I can hear some of your arguments in your head. Um, it's not that hard at this point. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but if I, if I slow down, then I'm going to have more worry to worry about, right? Right? Some of you, right? You're, you're with me. It's like, and you know what? You're absolutely right. If you slow down, you're going to have more problems. That's, just, that's part of it. And yet... If you don't slow down, you'll spend your life consumed with lesser things when one thing is required. When there's one thing that can actually satisfy and give us, give us hope, try it. Just, just try it. Slow down a little bit. Second, if we're going to seek his kingdom, we've got to ask for it as well. Slow down and ask for it. If you were to look ahead in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, Jesus says some very similar words uh, in chapter 7 that he says here in, in chapter 6. Essentially that we are to, to ask, seek, and knock, right? Um, some of you might be familiar with those verses. And he says that if we ask our good father for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. That's not how this, this God works. And when we ask for his kingdom to come, which we have to do, we have to ask, to, God, give me a glimpse of it. I mean, just like a little tiny taste. Help me see that there is more to this life than what I'm living. That there's, there's more than just my own narrow perspective. That you are you're doing something bigger. To help me stop wallowing in my small pursuits. And yeah, we ask for it in prayer. Right? That's, that's probably the most obvious. And, and honestly, if we're seeking his kingdom, even our prayer is going to be different. It's not that we stop praying for those individual lesser worries. But we, we ask primarily for the, the big picture. God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, please, would you, would you do that? And also when we, when we ask for it, we also do that by um, reminding ourselves what God has already said to us in his word. That God has already responded back to our prayers. We forget that sometimes, right? He's told us what to ask for and how to seek. If you struggle with worry, and all of us do, but particularly if you struggle with this, you need to saturate yourself in God's words and the promises that he's laid out for us. You also need to saturate yourself in community. I mean, you just can't 
can't try to do this alone. The more you deal with worry, the more you need to be in church, honestly. The more you need your community group, the more you need a close network of people around you who you can cry with, honestly. Who you can share your fears and struggles. Who can um, help you trust even when you don't feel trust. We need one another to seek his kingdom together. Seek, seek more, not less. And last, uh, and I love this one because this is just not how I think. Um, it's, just, it's completely unexpected for me even though it's the most obvious here. It's to do exactly what Jesus says. Just consider the lilies. I mean, it's, it's such like sort of simplistic advice and, and yet to just sort of step back for a moment and examine what God has done, what he has made in this world and how he continues to hold it together. Just look around. I mean, for me, I can tell you one of the biggest stressors in my life, ugh, dreading it already. It's Monday morning, and I think, oh, God, I've got to do this again, right? I mean, no offense. I love what I do, but Mondays, Mondays are stressful for me. Because I'm like, how, how am I going to look at this book again? I just did this yesterday. And understand what it means and, and be able to offer these words. Man, I, I stress out about sermons. I'm not going to lie to you. Every single week I do which is sort of ironic, isn't it? Like being worried about a sermon on worry. Um, but yeah, that happened this week. And, and, but meanwhile, right, so get this. I've got to work on my little sermon. Um, but God holds the entire universe in his hands, right? I mean, how small is my worries? Or, or even think about, I mean, maybe, it's, maybe it is money and there are real legitimate money concerns and yet look around. God has made it all. He owns all of it. There's no shortage with him. Maybe it's your health. Man, I worry there too, my body. Jesus invented every molecule and he knows every intricate detail of my body more than any doctor possibly could. He sees it, he knows it. He's not caught off guard by a single thing. I mean, what about like, you know, politics? Or you look around at what's going on in the world and frankly, doesn't it feel a little bit like the sky is falling, right? And I'm not a sky is falling kind of person, but it might be falling, right? Um, but did anybody, did anybody see the sunrise this morning? Or if you were up really, really early, did you see the moon? It was unbelievable this morning. And the birds, your heavenly father feeds them. My dad feeds 400 billion birds. Are we not much more valuable than they? Because friends, and here's, here's the really beautiful thing. We've been talking about this kingdom each week and we're gonna continue. This is what Matthew is about, is this kingdom that's coming for us. But, do not forget, we don't enter this kingdom merely as subjects, right? Sort of sneaking in, trying to find our place. Just maybe if we can pass, right? Now we come in as sons and daughters, as heirs of this kingdom. Jesus is our brother. If you trust in him, if you've placed your life in his hands, then this kingdom belongs to us, fully ours, with every right as an heir. Sons and daughters. The trouble is, I just, I just don't believe it oftentimes. And almost always for me, at the root of my worry is unbelief. Oh, me of little faith. Because as I've said, I'm a worrier. I mean, I can't tell you how much I needed to write this sermon this week, right? I needed it for me. More, more, than, more than passing this along, I needed it for me, right? This is just for... So last couple of weeks have been a little much. I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of things going on personally and professionally, and it's exciting, but sometimes you just feel a little bit crushed, right? Countless times, I'm not exaggerating, this week, 
when it was creeping up into my mind and I began to feel that sort of nauseous, tight, you know what I'm saying, right? She said, Nathan, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, but seek first his kingdom. And then like sometimes it'd be like three minutes later, I'm like, Nathan, do not be anxious about your life, but seek first his kingdom. Because I know for me, when I, when I am consumed with worry, even when it's legitimate stuff, it's because it's I've lost sight of this, of his kingdom. I, I either don't believe it or I don't believe it's worth it or frankly, I just you know, forget because I'm, I'm too busy. I've got too many other things to, to worry about. But regardless, I begin to doubt God. I doubt his wisdom. I mean, he, just, he doesn't know what's best for me. Not really. Not like I do. Or I doubt his power. Like, I mean, God is God. He's way out there. He's big. He's huge. He's, he just doesn't have the power to do anything in my life. That small, that individual. Or I doubt his love. He could. He just doesn't want to. And then I look at Jesus. And there's the wisdom of God with skin on. Showing us the very best way to live. Revealing to us the mysterious plan of God to bring salvation to his people. And there I see his power to enter in to humanity to become a man, to, to live this life and then to conquer death and sin and hell and all that is broken by coming back to life. And there's his love for Jesus was glad to do it. People, what, what do we lack? Jesus never tells us to seek less, care less, want less. It's quite the opposite. Seek more. Seek his kingdom. Seek him. But of course, the great irony behind this, even the fact that Jesus is there preaching that sermon, is that all, all the time, he's the one who's been seeking us. And so he says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Let's pray. God, we need your help. God, we are weighed down with worries. A lot of them really, really legitimate. God, I pray that, I pray that we wouldn't minimize that. I pray that those who are, who are really deep in it at this moment, God, I pray, that, I pray that they wouldn't feel trivialized. And yet, God, I pray that you would challenge all of us to see that what you are calling us for, what the good life is for you is so much more than what we tend to define it as. God, would you show us how our worries are small and help us to long for your kingdom, that you will make it right and that you can be trusted because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so we love you, Jesus, and we say, uh, just as we did when we started this, this conversation this morning, you're gonna have to do this work in us. And so we ask you to, Lord Jesus.